Welcome to the Alarmist Conspiracy Theories and Coffee. Today is an interesting episode. We have the great Gary Springer, who has been a trailblazer in the public relations world. His dad, John Springer, represented some of the greatest names in Hollywood, people like Marilyn Monroe, you know, and uh, Marlena Dietrich, and I can go on and on and on. Gary has done his own, he's created his own way, and is the master of so many different subjects and categories and he's a really he's a he's he's sort of the most universal person i've seen in this industry in quite a long time welcome gary springer from springer public relations hello hi jess how are you hey gary nice to see you man it's good to see you as well. Haven't talked to you for a while, and I hope all is good. We're both looking pretty good during this crazy uh, upside-down pandemic. Well, you know, it's actually, I mean, for the last five years, I closed my office in Times Square in about 2015. I just realized I didn't need an office anymore, and I've been working from home. So while that's not unusual, given this whole pandemic thing, what is unusual is that I'm always also on a plane almost every two weeks, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know and that I can't stand. I want to go someplace. I know. I, I was having this conversation yesterday about, you know, as a journalist, I'm, I, I, I've been a globetrotter. The, the closest globe I'm going, I'm going, we're going to El, El Living Room. Yeah, yeah, no. I <laughs> El mean, Backyardo. <laughs> I, actually, I, actually, I actually just wrote a letter today to um, some of the people I'm involved with uh, on this one project uh, that takes place in Egypt. And it's the El Guna Film Festival. And I was in Egypt uh, the last two years. I've been I, I've been going to Egypt for the festival, and I wrote him back and I said, "I just realized that uh, the ugly Americans are invited to Egypt. We're it's one of the few countries we're allowed to go to. So you, please bring me over. Are you gonna go? I don't know. I just I just I mentioned it yesterday to this guy I'm working with. He said. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Well, that puts a whole new light on it. You better write so-and-so and so-and-so and let them know. How, so. how, how has, I mean, I work from home as well, so it's great that we, you know, it's really not that different for me. What is different is the way I socialize, the way my family socializes. It's put, you know, like, it just put a hamper on everything. Well, yeah, how, that, that, that has just killed it. How do you, how do you, you know, what has changed for you, even though you're in your home, like I am, what has changed for you besides being on an airplane going somewhere? Uh, how, how do you look at it all? Well, I mean, I'm terribly bored Zooming. Yeah, oh, I hate Zoom. <laughs> you know, oh. it, it, the Zoom conversations or the conference calls where you have, you know, 12 people on it and, you know, and it's just like, oh, God. I put it on mute. I put it, I put my picture on, and I go off and have breakfast, and I listen to it in my earphone. Yeah. No, and it's like I I haven't you know I grew up in Manhattan. I I worked there for you know once I came back from from Hollywood. I I, I worked in Manhattan for thirty years as uh, as a publicist, and um, I haven't been there since February. The last time I was in Manhattan was three hours. I had a luncheon on my way to Berlin for the Berlin Film Festival. Berenale. And that was it. And that was it. That was the last time I've been in, in wow. New York. You know, and yeah. it's now 
what eight months later or something like that. Yeah, March th March third was my last day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I miss it. I miss friends, but I don't miss the city. And no, you know, I, I mean, I, I I really don't. I live up in Westchester. I'm in the woods, and I, I just don't miss the city. Yeah, I I you know what? I'm living in the Hamptons, and I mean, being a parent and having a family definitely helps. It changes the way you look at everything, you know? Um, but I, 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 I have actually gotten so much closer to my family, which is, mm -hmm. it's a strange thing to say, but you know, we're, we're, you know, I thought if we were on top of each other every single day, we would kill each other. It's been the opposite effect. Uh, give the viewer a, a little, a little thumbnail history about you because you're pretty amazing. You know, you, you're an author, you started doing acting, you come from Hollywood royalty. Your dad handles some of the greatest names in the, in the history of Hollywood, uh, let, give the view a little snapshot of who Gary Springer really is. Well, uh, yeah, as I said, I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up in this in, in this business. My father was a, a film publicist, um, John Springer. Uh, John Springer. John, John Springer. He was a film historian, and uh, you know, so my entire life revolved around movies and theater and entertainment. Um, Dad, uh, quite fascinating. Um, and we just started an Instagram. My sister and I just started an Instagram thing for the John Springer collection. Um, he started when he was like 14 years old, collecting movie stills wow. from, you know, from if the theater, you know, finished playing the movie. He would, he was from Rochester. He would go pick them up and take them in. We right now have 190,000, a collection of over <laughs> 190,000 movie stills wow. that I'm still adding to from my projects. Um, a number of them have been digitized by Getty and, and uh, uh, images. And that is, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this on, on, on Instagram now. I just posted yesterday a beautiful picture of Carol Lombard for her birthday from the John Springer collection. So That's great. That, you know, he was, he was a movie fan from, you know, the earliest, earliest years. When he was 15, he won a national contest that brought him to New York City for the first time. And the first night he got there, he went out um, to, to the Paramount Theater because it was a Paramount contest. And his dates that night were Buddy Rogers and Mary Pickford. <laughs> and then the next day, they took him on a tour of New York and that night brought him to Radio City Music Hall. And his date that night was a girl who was only about four years older than he was, named Ginger Rogers. Oh, my God. Uh, the next day, he went to he the went theater. He went on a date with Ginger Rogers? Well, she was his, you know, yeah, it was a whole paramount. <laughs> it wasn't just him and Ginger. No and, Fred? No Fred? Come and, on. And and and, and <laughs> the next day, uh, they brought him to the theater, and they, they, they went out to lunch afterwards with the star, who was Tallulah Bankhead. Oh, my God. And and then and then uh, that night, um, um, he was out with the woman he wrote the essay about, which won him this Paramount contest, Sylvia Sidney. Oh. And later in life, when he was a publicist, every one of those people were his clients. Wow. Give from, me, from when he was 15, he kept on, you know, kept with them. But he, I mean, okay, he had Marilyn Monroe, Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, Marlena Dietrich, Myrna Loy, Henry Fonda, Robert Ryan, Robert Preston. Um, uh, uh, Warren Beatty, Julie Christie, <laughs> Natalie Wood, uh, Mike, Mike Nichols, Yves Montan, 
Um, you've just recited. Um, you've just recited the Holy Grail of Hollywood stars. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you <laughs> we know, don't have just, that, we don't have that star that star power anymore. No, not at all. Not it's, not not at all. I miss and it's, that. It, I do too. It's a shame. Uh, you know, I mean, um, I miss getting dressed up. I miss you know going to the award shows when you, when when it was done in a respectful way. You know, you see these old clips of the Academy Award parties where everybody's sitting there at their tables and they're dressed to the nines. Well, you know, and it's and it's true. I mean, they're still as glamour. I mean, the the, the Academy Awards are still glamour. Uh, you know, um, the 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 Golden Globes are still glamour because you know it's 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 a big party. The Golden Globes are funner than the Academy Awards. Like they were, they what the Academy Awards used to be, which was just one big party. Well, I think um, you find out who the real alcoholics are when the Golden Globes go on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But um, um, there's there's not the glamour. There's not the star system. There's not the glamour. There's not the um, and you know now with with media and a lot of it being kind of trashy media, every what that anybody has is flashed up, you know, right in front of you. Uh, and back in the old days, all of that stuff was kept hidden. So there's some things are better. A, some things were better left unsaid. Thank you very much. Thank yes, you very much. Yes. The mystique is not there as much as it used to be. No, no. You know, and you did some acting, and you've written some books. I mean, I I turn on the episode of Jaws, and I and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> well, no, actually, um, I, I haven't written any books. I, that no, was no my books? dad. That was my dad. Oh, he, wrote, dad? Okay. He, he wrote. He wrote. He wrote. Um, you know, besides being the PR in the film, he wrote um, he wrote actually the first coffee table book that was ever on the movies. There was no like you know big size coffee table book. He wrote it. Uh, it was called All Talking, All Singing, All Dancing: A History of the Music Musical. And then his next book was The Fondas: um, Peter, Jane, Henry, Peter, and Jane. And again, there were no like films of books, films of Betty, films of wow. none of that stuff. Your he dad started was a that whole thing. He was a real trailblazer, man. Yeah, I mean, and he also he was also one of the first people to start the um, the the tribute series. There was no AFI galas. There were no you know New York Film Festival salutes. Um, there was a guy in California named Albert Johnson who was at the Pacific Film Archive, I think, or the San Francisco Film Society, and he and my dad both about the same time started doing these tribute events. My dad did called the legendary ladies of the movies, did it at a town hall in New York. Um, this is like back in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, the first one was Betty Davis. Oh my God. Um, um, you know, he would show like an hour, an hour or so of film clips and there'd be an intermission. Then there'd be another 15 or 20 minutes of film clips ending with fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night and out walks <laughs> Betty. Wow. And then the crowd goes wild and, you know, but there were never things like that before. They never did it. And so he was one of the creators of that whole mystique. He also did, he did Betty, Lana Turner, Roz Russell, Myrna Loy, wow. Sylvia Sidney, Joan Crawford. These are all people I grew up with. So As, I mean, a, as a kid, though, when you see this. When you see this, when you see that, when you, you know, when you see your dad doing all this, did you know you were going to follow in his footsteps and be? In Not the in the least. Not in the so, least. So, what was your impression when you're a 14 year old kid? You know, and you. 
Well, I mean, I knew that there was, I knew it was special. I knew that there was this glamour. I knew that there was this excitement about these people. Um, you know, my father would, would, we, my sisters and I would be doing our homework at home. And my father would come in and say, stop, stop. Got to come out and watch TV. Hank's on. Hank's doing the, you know, the Grapes and Brass speech. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how many people say, stop doing your homework and come watch TV? Yeah, come watch Henry Fonda. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I grew up, in, as I said, you know, Marilyn Monroe, allegedly, would, but I know it was my babysitter. Um, no, she, whoa, 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 whoa. Monroe, babysat, Gary Springer? Yes, I can, and I, I could probably honestly say I'm the, <laughs> one of the one of the few guys in this one of the few guys in this conversation right now who's actually been in bed with Marilyn Monroe uh, because she used to come over to the house um, when she was living in New York and and um, go out with my parents. And, so you know, John, mother, John, your dad is saying like, uh, "This is Marilyn. Uh, this is Gary, my son." Uh, yeah. Can you keep and an I, eye? Can you keep an eye on them for a little while? Well, no, no. So what they would do was like they, you know, they would come in and we would all, my sisters, both younger, would be sitting on the couch. We'd be sitting on the couch, and Marilyn would come in to pick, you know, and go out there like they'd be going out to to dinner or some function or something like that. And and um, you know, then my mother would say, "Okay, girls, time to go to bed." And she and Marilyn would take the girls into their room and put them to bed. <laughs> then my mom would come out and say, "Okay, honey." And so I would go into bed and my mother would be pulling down the shades and Marilyn would be sitting on the edge of my bed. So I can honestly say I was happy. in bed with Marilyn Monroe. Did, did she um, sing you any lullabies, Gary? That I don't recall. <laughs> but I do remember one time um, she took myself and my two sisters to the park. Uh, you know Central Park, right? You know, and, and it's 60, 65th, uh, 67th and um, 5th, and 5th Avenue. Avenue. Right. There's an entrance there. And there's that big rock. And so I just remember sitting on top of that rock with my two sisters and Marilyn. And my one sister was much younger. And she would be tottering off. And Marilyn was trying to make sure she didn't fall off the rock. But um, do you, do you, you know, realize do you realize what an amazing, you know, that's amazing. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you, I mean look, it's a fun story. It's a, it's it's a, fun a great story. story. But also the other good one, and this this just shows that, you know, these people when I was growing up, I mean, I knew who they were, but it wasn't like awe-inspiring. When I was in first grade, you know, what are you, seven years old, six or seven years old in first grade? Right. I used to go out my seventh floor window, go down the fire escape, two floors, go into the kitchen, take the dog, take the dog around the block for a walk before I went to, you know, walk down to two blocks to St. Vincent's on 65th Street. And that was Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward's dog. So they were my neighbors, and I walked. That was my. They were my first official bosses. So, Paul so and you, Joanne. Yeah. You you probably feel more normal around around Hollywood glory than you do it with any. I'm probably boring for you. Never, never. No, it was a fascinating way to grow up. But I never thought I was going to follow in my father's footsteps. I never even planned on it. I mean. You know, while I was in school, even when I was in, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade and, and early years of high school while I was still in New York, I would work in my dad's office during the summers and, you know, winter, you know, Christmas vacations and stuff. I always tried to work. He represented the New York Film Festival for the first 25 years of existence. Mm -hmm. So I used to, you know, try and work that because that was such a fun, you know, because the stars coming yeah. from all over the world and watching the movies. 
And I mean, I grew up watching foreign films. So, you know, now subtitles, I can't get my daughter to watch a subtitled movie. And it's something that I grew up, you know, doing from when I was so young. And foreign movies are far more intelligent than American films by a mile, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, many American films are just ridiculous now. I mean, I'm not, I, I you either love them or hate them. I'm not a, a sci-fi superhero, you well, know. Well, Martin Scorsese, that controversial remark he made, about superhero movies not being filmed. They're no, like they're a, they're films. Yeah. They're they're you know. I mean, it's just I uh, you know you've got to you either love them or hate them. And I'm not one of the. I I I don't hate them. I just never got into them. This week's podcast is supported by Free Lunch Coffee. Free Lunch Coffee is on a mission to end hunger from the lives of young children. There are children out there who really need our support, and it can be difficult and intimidating knowing where to start and how to help. When you buy one bag of free lunch coffee, you're providing 10 meals to children in need. And free lunch coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. How cool is that? Also, they have some amazing custom-made mugs and tumblers. Each mug provides 10 meals and tumbler provides 20 meals to the children in need. I believe this could be a great Christmas gift. And Christmas is about the spirit of giving. You're not just buying gifts for your loved ones. You're also helping to end child hunger. Beyond a fantastic cause, Free Lunch Coffee has great coffee that's specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. Also, they're offering 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. So if you don't absolutely love their coffee, they'll give you a full refund. And you can keep the coffee too, so you've got nothing to lose. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to the loyal listeners of this podcast. Use coupon code AFTERSHOCK at checkout. Check it out at freelunchcoffee.com. See you there. I, I was in high school. I was at a boarding school in upstate New York, and I was home for Christmas, and I had no idea what I was going to do. I was going to go to college for four years and then try and figure out what I wanted to do with like my a life. Lot of people, like a lot of people, right, sure. And um, um, I was home and uh, went to the, a New Year's Eve party with my mom and dad uh, that was being hosted by David Newman and Bob Benton. Uh, they wrote Bonnie and Clyde, which my father did the press on. Uh, he also represented Warren. And that night, I was a... I was a uh, junior in high school, um, I was talking to some filmmaker and we were having a great conversation. And, you know, I was doing the school play, one of the school plays, we did three a year. But the only reason I was doing it was so I could stay up past curfew and drink wine and smoke pot and, <laughs> you know, do all those things. Oh my God, you're normal. Not, not because I wanted to be a, a, a great actor. But he had said, you know, called me, my dad called me and said, you know, Yvonne Posser really enjoyed speaking with you. He's doing a movie and he wants to talk to you about it. I said, well, I'm in school. I can't do it. He said, no. So I talked to Yvonne and he said, no, we're going to shoot in the summer because it's with Carol O'Connor, um, who was doing all of the family. So we were going to shoot during Carol's hiatus. What, and, film, was, um, what film was this? It was a movie called Law and Disorder with Carol O'Connor and I Ernest Borgnine. I remember it. And they were auxiliary cops on the streets of New York. 
And I was a, a punk kid smoking a joint and <laughs> my hair was long and the Borg nine tries to arrest me. And I just look at him and I go, fuck you. <laughs> and that's all I say throughout the rest of the movie. I keep such you know, prolific, prolific words. <laughs> oh, I studied, I, 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 you know, method, method acting. I, I actually, I spent a lot of time in subways looking at the mirror, you know, looking at my reflection in a subway mirror going, fuck you. Fuck you. Um, that's great. And, you know, I, uh, I still had no desire to be an actor. Uh, so after, I after being up close to them, it didn't, it didn't. Sway no, no, it was fun. It was, it was fun. But and then I went away to college as soon as we finished it. And what uh, did you major? We, what did you major in in college? Well, theater and film. Oh, of course. But okay. I, but I, but I only spent twelve weeks there because when I got there, somebody walked into one of the classes and somebody said, "Oh, it's the New York fucking actor," <laughs> and I quit. I just said the hell with no. this. I'm not, yeah. So I came I came back to New York and I started working in my dad's office. I was taking classes at Hunter um, uh, College, which was right across the street from my house. And I was working, you know, I was going to matriculate at Hunter and figure out what I was going to do. Um, but then? And then I was working for my dad. You know, um, we were at the New York Film Festival and it was the opening night of the, the festival. Uh, I was in my tuxedo. Speaking of glamour, <laughs> and and uh, don't you miss that? I do. I do anything to wear a tux right now. <laughs> well, I've gotten well, a little. Got I've gotten a little. I've gotten a little chubby for my tux. So I. I, I, I I've <laughs> gotten. I got dressed up to throw the garbage out. That's how desperate I'm getting. <laughs> I know. I know. But um, I ran into a guy um, who was one of the top ICM agents in New York at, at, you know, at the opening night, um, he said, ah, you know, I just saw a sneak of your movie Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, of Law and Disorder. Sorry. And he said, you know, you were good at that. Who's your agent? I said, oh, I don't have an agent. And he said, well, let me get you. Actually, no, that's the wrong story. All right, cut. Let me go back. <laughs> Take two. So anyway, so I was back, I was back in New York after not going, after dropping out of El Elmira because I didn't like the way the attitude um, New York fucking actor, indeed. <laughs> I did one movie where I said, fuck you! Well, 12 times, but still. But um, um, at the casting crew screening that, you know, that following May, the casting director said, you know, you were good in this. We're doing a, another movie that you might be right for. Who's your agent? I said, I don't have an agent. I've been away. You know, I've been in college. He said, well, come down and try out for it. And I did. And it was Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino. And I played Pacino's partner. I was the third bank robber. It was John Cazale, Al Pacino, and oh my, myself. Oh my three god! Bank oh my god! You you got to work with John Cazale and Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, oh. it was really. Yeah, it was you really know, crazy. he's considered Cazale is, Cazale is considered one of the greatest actors ever, and one of the nicest human beings you know ever. So did you, did you it, even realize what, what you were getting to do? I mean, that is like. Of course I did. Of course I did. So now you, you know, suddenly, so now it's hitting you. You're older now. You've done. So, you have a couple of. You know, and and, and 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 then I liked all of a sudden. What I but what I really liked was not the acting part of it. I loved the crew because the camaraderie of all those guys, you know, together. The, the, half the people who were on the Law and Disorder crew were also on the Dog Day crew, and so it was just you know these guys would go from movie to movie, and I said that's what I really want to do is get you know, on the crew things. So I had signed up to be um, 
a Directors Guild apprentice, but it didn't start till the following March. And this was now May, you know, when almost, so you almost know, 10 months. So yeah. almost 10 months. Yeah. So I, I, I knew that uh, one of my father's, you know, people my father was involved with in starting another movie in New York. And I called him up and I said, look, I know you're doing this. Um, I'd love to work uh, you know, on your, uh, on, on, on the production team. Um, and he said, well, but you just did dog day afternoon, and, you know, and, and no one gets ordered. I said, I know, but I really want to do the big crew thing. So I spent the next, oh, I spent like six months working uh, as a production assistant on Taxi Driver wow. with Marty Scorsese. Wow. Oh, my God. You, you realize the things that you've gotten to do? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I know. This, you are so amazingly lucky. This is like. This is like iconic shit that you've gotten yeah. to do. Working on the production of Taxi Driver, being on the same set as the third bank robber in Dog Day Afternoon, working with Carol O'Connor, who's my hero. Uh, yeah. All right, so yeah. you said fuck you. Okay, that was your first word on screen. Big But beard. still, it was... <laughs> anyway, so I wound up getting an agent, you know, um, when I, when I at, at the New York Film Festival, and I told the guy, he said, who's your agent? I said, I don't have one but I'm going to go through the director's guild. He said, well, you know, we can still send you out. You can make some money. So I signed with ICM and, and <laughs> two weeks later, they got me a, 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 a film a PBS great performances or something like that called Bernice Bob's her hair with Shelley Duvall and Bud Court. I and remember this film. We, we shot it down in Savannah, Georgia in November. And um, Shelley came back to New York over Christmas and and we were out one night. And she said, "You know, what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm nothing really until February when I'm going to go back to college." Um, and she said, "Why don't you come out and stay with my boyfriend and I? Her boyfriend, <laughs> her boyfriend Patrick, who I I met because he was on the set." Uh, and they said, "You know, come out and stay with us for a while." Uh, so I wound up. You know, I said, "Well, look, my agent wants me to go to Hollywood to meet everybody there." So I wound up, you know, a couple of days after the, you know, right after New Year's in 1975. Wow. When, um, flew out to California with, with Patrick and Shelley, and I wound up spending the next nine years out there. Because of that trip. Wow. Well, you know, I never came back to New York. I started, I, I, I met the agents out there. I started working right away. Um, I actually lived with Patrick and Shelley until, um, until July, and then Shelley and I got a place uh, in West Hollywood for about four months. That all of a sudden um, we also had another roommate, which is Pat Ast. You remember the old Andy yes, Warhol actress? Sure. So, sure. and then and then Shelley went to New York to do Annie Hall. Wound up meeting Paul Simon and calling us up and said, "Look, I'm selling the house. I'm going to move back to New York and live with Paul." So all of a sudden, I was. <laughs> On my own in Hollywood, and I. That's I, amazing. You know, I she traded you. She traded you in for Paul. <laughs> I know. Uh, a, I can't say. You know, uh, you know, I don't no, have. No, it's a bridge but, uh, over troubled water. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed. I, you know, I stayed in Hollywood, and I stayed working. So you spent a lot of time as an actor, much more than I realized. How yeah, many, well, how many years did you did you take? You know, did you put in? All well, I started Lawn Disorder was in seventy two, and I I moved back from Hollywood in eighty two. So I I did it off and on for wow. ten years. 
you know, um, um, and I was in, you know, in the big movie, I did a couple of movies. I starred in a film that was my film. It was called Hometown USA that Max Bear, you know, Jethro from the yeah, Beverly Hillbillies. Sure. And it was terrible. It was a ripoff of American Graffiti. I basically wore the same wardrobe that Richard Dreyfus wore. My name was Rodney C. Duckworth, the rodent, <laughs> and I was this, you know, stupid kid who would get into trouble. And and, oh and but anyway, it was it, 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 it was fun. But I also spent eleven months um, working on Jaws too. I was the lead uh, teenager no, in Jaws too. I just too. I just watched it again, and I, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, when I see you there, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at this actor going. That can't be Gary, is it? Oh my God, it is Gary. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, look, it was uh, again. I, I I never really wanted to be an actor, but I wound up having a very very nice, brief, you know, career. Ten years. But it gives uh, you an uh, insight. It. But it but it gives you an insight on the clients that you know, famous clients. Oh, absolutely, Ab yeah. absolutely, Jesse. Yeah. It, it you know, I mean, when I started, you know, representing. You know, I eventually moved back to New York and started working with my dad because, you know, it's. I got married to a woman I met, you know, on Martha's Vineyard while we were doing Jaws 2 and she <laughs> didn't like Hollywood and we wound up moving back to New York. And, and but, you know, as we were working on theater projects or, you know, film projects or with personalities, I also had that sensibility when I was working with the actors in those projects. So it really But everything help. seems to, everything that you've done seems to have led to the next phase of your life or to another chapter in your life, which is pretty amazing how it's, how you've yeah, managed no, to it, 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 it has flowed, 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 night, flown, flowed nicely. <laughs> now, before it's, we, we, we're going to have to wrap this up soon, but I wanted to, you to talk about the Hamptons Film Festival because you've been doing that for quite a while. And well, I, I'm not actually not representing the Hamptons anymore, but I did represent it for 15 years. Um, I, you know, I mean, I started representing the Hamptons in 97. Mm -hmm. um, and I was the, the publicist for it until about 2012. Wow. Uh, uh, my, you know, not just me, I had my office, but uh, because, you know, the you, something you can't do by yourself, it's just such a massive but I love working on the film festivals. I also do the Sarasota Film Festival, which mm -hmm. I did for 14 years. Um, I'm still consulting on the Virginia Film Festival down in Charlottesville. Um, and I take a lot of films to festivals. I, I work with this organization. As I was telling you, I've been going to El Guna in Egypt, which is a festival on the Red Sea for the last couple of years. Um, uh, looking for young filmmakers, emerging talent that, that this organization I work with, the International Emerging Film Talent Association, IEFTA, which is based in Monaco, we support, you know, mentor young filmmakers from emerging economies. That's So great. we're doing a lot of work with Ethiopia, with Egypt, with, with uh, Bangladesh. Uh, I, I've got a movie right now that I'm, um, um, I'm working on that helping mentoring um a first-time filmmaker from bangladesh and it's one of the most gorgeous beautiful movies i've ever seen but that's amazing well, you can you're, you're finding talent in places that a lot of people wouldn't even think to look unless you wouldn't really even know think to wouldn't even think yeah. to look um and you know bangladesh has got a lot of talent i was out there for a couple a uh, year ago for the dhaka film festival uh, wow. i was i was supposed to be there last month for the dhaka doc lab um wow. but couldn't travel. 
So all these wonderful places that you get to go and you're grounded, it, it's got to be driving you crazy. Going back to what we started with in the beginning, yes, it is driving me crazy. I mean, I, I, I you know, I should have, I, I was supposed to go to Durban in South Africa. I've never been to Durban. I've been to Durban, been believe to, it or not. And and I was supposed to go there uh, for the for the festival in early September, but wow. we did it all online, like we did the Marche de Film from Cannes. We did the entire thing in in uh, June. It was you know online. It was ten wow. days or so of of zooming and watching movies and watching pitches from filmmakers. And, when this is uh, when this when this is over, I hope I never have to zoom again. <laughs> <laughs> I am I, zoomed I, out. You I'm know? afraid that I think it's gonna, you know, it it it's it's gonna happen a lot now. I mean, I'm, yeah. you know, I think the whole virtual, I'm, you know, this announcement that just came on that Regal Cinemas is not gonna yeah. open at all anymore. They're the second biggest movie chain in the U.S. Um, AMC is on the is is been whispered that it might not make it. You yeah, know, you know, I mean, so. I'm working on. I, I I've got a film that opened on Friday, that we're actually open in theaters in about. 20 theaters around the country, but we're also in virtual in, you know, numerous theaters. Uh, it's, it's, it's a new, it's a thing called um, virtual cinema, where instead of the movies going on to Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or whatever, um, your local art house, uh, like the Lemleys in LA, say, or, 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 or the, the Hamptons Film Festival, uh, you know, I think that they've been sponsoring some at some, you know, at some of the theaters will will take a virtual a film and advertise it just like they do a regular film where people can watch it in the theaters, but they'll watch it on their video. And the people pay like twelve dollars. You know, wow. the theater gets six, the exhibitor gets some, the filmmaker gets some. So wow. as opposed to just selling it out for general, you know streaming on 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 television it actually is almost like the old the old you know exhibitor distributor wow. um um model it's taking away uh, you know the, the i mean there's nothing better than being in a movie theater let's face it i i no, you know absolutely that, not yeah you know you can have the best home surround sound the best little theater you've created in your house but being in that theater is exhilarating especially for some of the openings and you know it better than anybody and I can't wait for that day to come back. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I'm afraid not. I'm uh, especially in New York and Los Angeles and some yeah. of the other big markets. And you know, a lot of these distributors, um, you know, need New York or Los Angeles. They, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they can't do it. You know, some of the bigger companies can't do it just on virtual and some of the smaller little venues around the country that are 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 open. Gary Springer, thank you so much for coming on. The Alarmist today it was really great talking with you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, it, I had a good time. Yeah, man. You, 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 Marilyn Monroe babysat you. I'm, I'm going to lose sleep tonight. <laughs> You're a great man, my friend. Thank you so yep. much. Thank you for inviting me. I really uh, appreciate it. All right, man. To be, to be continued. You bet. All right. Bye-bye.